0: Now, we're in a, uh, whatever, winter teaching series, which I called, Why Can't We All Just Calm Down? And really just reflecting on how life seems to be uh, nowadays, uh, kind of really frenetic at times, and and, and so much pressure, and so much stress, and so much anxiety, and, 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 and a lot of anger around the place as well. And so, asking the question, why can't we all just calm down? And then answering it for you by saying, well, the thing is, it's not that easy. And what we've done over the last couple of weeks is we've looked at a couple of areas of where there's stress in life. And this morning, we're going to go on to another one. And this morning, I want to talk about dealing with depression. Now, I'm pretty comfortable up here on a Sunday morning. Um, I always feel the weight of responsibility of what God's privileged me to do. But I'm pretty comfortable up here on a Sunday morning. I'm pretty comfortable hanging out before service, after service, catching up with folks and touching base. I, I love that stuff. Then we go get brunch and I go home and get into the bedroom as quick as I can and close the door. Now, I often don't sleep, but I do that because I'm an introvert by nature. And you're sitting here thinking, yeah, right. But I'm an introvert by nature. So much as I love this, it kind of takes a lot out of me. And introverts generally, if they spend a lot of time with with, with folks, then they need some time, just isolation. And, And that's me. You know, that's the way I'm wired. I'm very comfortable with folks that I know. Um, but even, you know, if I'm with a lot of people, there comes a point where I, I, I can't do this. My favorite room in a par- at a party is the bathroom. <laughs> it's quiet in there. And, and, and one of the things I dread, I, I dread, if I should be on a plane and you know the deal, you're on the plane and you're sitting and you're People are coming on, and you're waiting to see who you get beside you, right? Right. And, and I am always praying that there's nobody beside me. Now, it isn't because I need the extra room, though that's always welcome. But I don't want to have to talk to a stranger. And if somebody comes and sits down, and they say nothing, that's cool. That's cool. I'm really good with that. I'm, I'm really happy with that. But if they start talking, oh man. But I found the solution. I'll tell you what the solution is. The solution is this. So if they're chatting, I'll say, Oh, that's interesting. What'd you do? What'd you do for a job? And and they'll answer, and then they reciprocate, right? So they say, What do you do? And I say, I'm a pastor. And you think. I then use the whole flight to tell them how they need Jesus and Jesus can save them, right? No, I say I'm a pastor because it's the best conversation stopper you could ever imagine. <laughs> Nobody knows what to say to that. I'm a pastor. Oh, that's nice. It's like, you know, it's, it's great. It's great. Just, to, you know. And 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 it's uh, they have got no clue what to say. I'm a pastor. End the conversation. Read my book. <laughs> all, all that to bring us to this. For those who've been blessed never to really experience depression, there's a danger that you get totally intimidated because you can't understand the person who is experiencing it. So someone says, I'm really struggling, I'm in a really dark place, I'm not doing well, life is so, and, 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 and the tendency then, because you don't know what to say, is to say things like, hey, you know what, don't forget, you've got a lot of good things going on for you, cheer up. That doesn't help. Because depression isn't just I'm feeling sad today. It's not just I'm feeling a little bit down and discouraged. As many of you will know from personal experience, it's darkness. It's persisting darkness. Sometimes it's Hardly feeling anything, knowing no motivations, sensing no hope. And what's really sad is that when the, whereas the church should be the safest place to talk about feelings of darkness and depression, often it's not. And often it's not because of stuff that's said from up front because preachers give the idea, you know what, if you know Jesus, you should be living in, 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 in his light and in his joy and you should be absolutely on the top of this world and everything should be wonderful. And folks have heard that and taken them on board. And, and then when they're feeling quite the opposite, they don't feel safe to talk about it. So not only do they feel hopeless, but now they feel ashamed, and they feel guilty. They don't feel safe opening up, and so they withdraw more and more, and the depression seems to compound. And and the thing is this, if you were to say to me this morning, I've got this awful pain in my neck, I'd say, you married them, that's your fault. Uh, (laughs) No, but if you, if you said, I've got this awful pain in my neck, I'd say, did you see a doctor, right? Man, I've got this shooting pain going down my leg. Have you seen a doctor? We totally get it. We totally understand it. But if someone is battling depression, the implied message is what you need to do is keep smiling, cheer up, and keep it yourself. And if you're here today and you're somebody particularly in this painful culture we're living in that is fighting depression right now, um, I want to give you a Bible verse that you'll agree with the first bit and probably won't like the last bit. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 25. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. So you've got that bit, right? But a good word makes it glad. And if you're here today and you're struggling with depression right now, you might say, well, of course, I get the first bit, but you might look at the last bit and say, it's not that simple. A good word makes it glad. It's not as straightforward as that. It's not as easy as that, a good word makes it glad. And I want to very, very, very respectfully point out to you that I didn't make that up. That's God's word. That's God's word. And what we're looking at today and what we're talking about today is what God says. And my prayer for you today is that by the power of his word, that God will make you glad. That's my prayer. That a good word might bring you just a little bit of hope. A, bring, a good word might bring a little bit of healing to you. A, a good word might provide you this morning with some help in dealing with depression. Now, I've said, I've said every Sunday in this series, I've stated the obvious. I'm a pastor. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. It's a complex issue, and, 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 and I'm no expert at it. But apparently there are four major causes of depression. One is biological. Let me make this point. If, 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 you, if you are struggling with depression or do struggle with depression at times, it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you, and it doesn't mean there's something wrong with your faith. It doesn't mean you're weak. It doesn't mean you can't cope. It's nothing of that. It can be because of a chemical imbalance in the brain or in the body. Or or let's face it, sometimes people are living with chronic pain, and the chronic pain leads them to a state of darkness. It could be a nutritional deficit. It could be a whole lot of things. You might not be sleeping right or enough, and that can impact you. There are biological causes for depression. Then there are what I'm calling relational causes, you're going through a real difficult time. Maybe, maybe one of your kids is causing you major problems and major heartache. Maybe you've just been through or are going through a divorce. Maybe in some other way, your life seems to have fallen apart. Or maybe you've just been through a global pandemic and you spent 18 months Isolated, and told you'd better be careful if you pick up a pen that somebody else picked up because you might die. <laughs> no, we lived that way for a long time. If you remember, right? I went to the bank the other day, and, and I said, I said to the lady behind the counter, "Can I borrow a pen?" She gave me a pen. There was a time. When, when they had little containers for unused pens, used pens, and you wouldn't use a pen that somebody else had used. We live that way. And I think it impacted us more than we realize. There are often relational causes things that are happening around us. Sometimes there are circumstances in our lives. Maybe you lost someone close to you and you're dealing with feelings of darkness. Maybe you've been through some trauma. Maybe financially you just can't get out of a hole. Maybe the day has finally arrived that you thought you were longing for When the last of the kids left, oh glorious day! But now, as an empty nester, it's like, who am I and what do I do? Or, or or maybe you're at another stage in life where you've recently retired, and it's like, who am I anymore? There can be a lot of different things that cause us depression, biological, relational, circumstantial. And then there's one that I I wouldn't want anybody to go crazy with, but I've got to say this because I believe it. Sometimes depression can be caused by spiritual attacks. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, it reminds us of this. We are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against persons without bodies, the evil rulers of the unseen world. Those mighty satanic beings and great evil princes of darkness who rule this world and against huge numbers of wicked spirits in the spirit world. There is a spiritual battle going on. Now if you go into some Christian context and you go into some church settings, you know, they're so taken up with the spiritual battle that goes on and, and, and of how big the devil is and how bad the devil is that sadly they've lost track of how big God is and how powerful God is and, 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 and they've totally lost the plot. Now somewhere in between, as with everything in life, there is a balance. And we don't need to live dwelling on it, but sometimes we need to remind ourselves that there are spiritual forces that are intent on bringing us down. In John's Gospel chapter 10 and and verse 10, Jesus put it this way. He said the thief, that is the devil, comes to steal and kill and to destroy. Now on the other hand, Jesus came to give life to the full. But there is a thief who wants to steal kill, and destroy, and if you're in a place today where you are battling depression, then I just want to remind you, don't lose sight of the fact there is a spiritual battle because there's a thief who wants to destroy you, but there is still a savior who wants you to be enjoying life to the full again. Jesus came to give us life to the full, So, so there are different root causes to depression, And uh, it hits different people in different ways. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about a couple of things that the Bible says I want to bring you from a spiritual angle, how you might find help with depression. Um, That isn't going to fix everything, but hopefully it will be a step along the way, as perhaps also you apply help you could get from other sources. And what I want to do this morning is I want to look at a figure in the Old Testament that is the prophet Jeremiah, and um, I mentioned him a couple of weeks ago when I, I, when I said that, you know, if you struggle at times, you're in good company because so did some of the key figures in the Bible, and Jeremiah was one of the ones that I mentioned, and, and the, the, back, the background of uh, Jeremiah is, is this. I, I'm particularly looking at Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations. Uh, that's a cheerful title, right? Yeah. So um, its full title actually is the Lamentations of Jeremiah the prophet. So, so, so that book is, 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 is full of Jeremiah's struggle, suffering, what, whatever. Uh, the, the background to it is this. Back in the days when King David reigned, one of the things David wanted to do do was build a temple in Jerusalem, which would be the center then for the nation's spiritual life, where the presence of God would be, the Ark of the Covenant would be, and he wanted to do that. And he talked to God about it, and God said, you can't do it. You're not the man to do that, because apart from anything else, You shed innocent blood. He caused a man to be killed once to cover up his own sin. And God said, you can't do that. So so David's agreement with God was this, that he would buy the ground that the temple would be built on and that he would prepare the plans. And God said, your son Solomon will build the temple. And that's what happened. Solomon built this magnificent temple, which was the spiritual center of the of the nation and and it was for hundreds of years. then enter jeremiah god God, god causes Jeremiah to be his messenger to speak to his people because they'd neglected him, they'd started worshiping idols they'd started doing things that we're not expected of them as the people of God. And Jeremiah's warning them that if you don't turn around, if you don't change your ways, then what's going to happen here is that you know, God's going to let your enemies overrun you. And they did. And so in 540-something, I'll read it. It wasn't 540 anything. All right, In 587 B.C., Jeremiah watched the destruction of the city he loved, Jerusalem, and of the temple that was at its center, at the hands of the Babylonian army. They savagely destroyed the city. They murdered a lot of its inhabitants. And they also took away a lot of its people as prisoners of war back to Babylon. Jeremiah saw all that happen. And when we catch up with him in the book of Lamentations, he is looking around at the devastation and is in a darkest state of depression himself. Just listen to some of the things Jeremiah said. And if you've ever been through depression or are there this morning, you might identify with some of these. Lamentations 3 and verse 1. I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. God has made me suffer. Verse 2. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. He felt separated from God. And in darkness. Verse 5. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. He has walled me in so that I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. He felt like a prisoner. Walled in. He couldn't get out of what was a dark place. And then in verse 19, I remember my affliction, my wandering, the bitterness, the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Now, let me remind you of this. Jeremiah was God's prophet. He was God's man. He was chosen by God before he was born to be his messenger. But he's broken. He has no hope. And if that should be where you are this Sunday morning, there are two things that I want to share with you. And there are two things that I hope will be some help to you. The first thing is this. Your emotions are valid, but they're not permanent. Your emotions are valid, but they're not permanent. The second is, with God, there is always hope. Your emotions are valid, but they're not permanent. And with God, there's always hope. Now, some of you that are regulars are feeling, wait a second, Roger, what's number three? (laughs) Because you know that I always preach with three particular statements. And if you go to the front desk through the barn doors on the left as you leave, you'll get a refund because you only got two points today (laughs) and not three. Just just these two... Just these two things that are are very, very important to grasp for those of you who might be battling depression, have battled depression, and and, and not wishing anything upon you, but but those of you who may be battling it in the future, and also for those of you who've got friends, family, loved ones who struggle with depression, here here are a couple of things we need to grasp. One is I want to tell you, your emotions are valid, but they're not permanent. When you're hurt, when you don't know which way to turn, when, when, when you feel like you've, you've kind of done all you can do but you can't get out of it, I, I want to tell you, your emotions are valid. And one of the worst things you can do, if someone says, I feel desperate, one of the worst things you can do is say, no, wait a minute, let me just talk to you about that. You, you shouldn't be saying that. Stop it. If someone feels desperate, they feel desperate. If someone feels hopeless, they feel hopeless. Their perception is their reality. That is where they are living. That is what they are feeling. And their feelings are absolutely valid. And actually, they can become an important part in your healing. Because one of the ways in which you can find healing and begin to change the way you feel is just acknowledging how you feel. Naming the emotion. I feel hopeless. Speak it out. Speak it to yourself. Tell anyone you're comfortable telling who will not try to fix you. I feel hopeless. I feel angry. Your emotions are valid. I feel hurt. I feel betrayed. I feel afraid. I feel ticked off with the world. There was another word in there, but I was told it wasn't suitable. (laughs) Naming your emotions opens the door to changing them. Own it. Here's how I feel. Don't don't try to hide it. Don't push it down. Recognize it. It's not spiritual or godly to pretend it's not there. Those emotions are there. And God gave us emotions. They're valid. But I I, I do want to say this. But they're not permanent. And when you recognize, identify what you feel, but recognize it's not permanent, That opens a little door for God to be able to help you. I will say this. Never make permanent decisions based on temporary emotions. Never do that. And don't draw permanent conclusions based on temporary emotions either. Everybody's like that. All churches are the same. In Psalm 116, verse 11, the psalmist says he did it. He says, I said in my haste, all men are liars. You ladies are very gracious there. Nobody said amen. All right, so, but but it was like, you know, If we're not careful, we can can hastily and emotionally, we can can make big sweeping statements. I love what it says in James 1.19 in the messages uh, translation of it. Post this at all the intersections, dear friends. Lead with your ears, follow up with your tongue, and let anger straggle in the rear. I like that. Don't lead. With your emotions. Your emotions are valid, but don't let them lead the way. Because in the darkest times, your emotions can take you in in, in an awful direction. Sometimes, if you you know, if 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 you're going through darkness, there can be moments when your 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 emotions start to to make you think that, that, that life itself is not worth it. And remember, there's an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy, okay? You've got to bear that in mind. You know, you may hear the enemy whispering to you, you'd be better off if you weren't here. And in that moment, you might think it to be true. But I want you to know that is never, never, ever under any circumstances true because God knew what he was doing when he made you. Hey, listen to what God said to Jeremiah in his darkest moments. Before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. A prophet to the nations. That's what I had in mind for you. Now, I want you to look at that verse, and I want you to hear God talking to you through that. Before God shaped you in the womb, he knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, God had plans for you. God had plans for you before you were born. Never jump to conclusions when you're feeling depressed, and never act. Because emotions are not permanent. It's unwise to make decisions or to draw conclusions. Your emotions are valid. But I'm going to say this, but they're not real. They change. Feel them. Identify them. But don't be ruled by them because they're not permanent. And then just the second thing I want to say today is this. With God, there is always hope. With God, there is always hope. Now, that's the point where if you are battling with depression right now, you probably said in your mind, yeah, right. Yeah, right. And that's okay. I've been there too. July of this year, 53 years of pastoring. I could tell you three periods in those 53 years where I went through very dark times myself. where I really didn't want to get out of bed in the morning, where I was living with this not in my stomach, and if I could have run, I would have run. And most of the people I was serving, is because I was obviously pastoring through those experiences, and it was Issues with pastoring that drove me to where I was. And I kept doing what I knew how to do. I kept doing what I was responsible to do. And folks who showed up on a Sunday would have had no idea. Because I came up front and I did my... I'm not talking about in this building. Don't start thinking about... Okay, what went wrong? What was, it's all good. <laughs> I am pastoring the church of my dreams right now. I want you to know that. I'm living the dream. God is good. Amen. But you know what? In, in any situation, you know, in any situation, you know, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. When a pastor comes into a church setting, it's not about him. It's about those he's serving. She's serving. It's about them. So, so I managed to shake myself through those experiences and do what I was meant to do and expected to do. But I lived with darkness for periods of time. And if in the middle of that someone said to me, hey, Raj, with God there's always hope. You know what I just said? What some of you did this morning. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Because I couldn't see any hope. And I couldn't see much of a future. And I was done. I was done. God called me to ministry when I was in in my teens. I started so young, it was kind of crazy, because the conventional wisdom back then was what you really do is you get some kind of, you know, uh, skill, career. Here's the way it was put. Something to fall back on. So if this ministry thing doesn't work out, you've always got something else you can do. And folks used to say to me when I, was, I started pastoring at 20, it was, you know what? You should have got yourself some career first. Well, I've never had anything to fall back on. I don't know how to do anything else. And I'm glad about that. You know why? Because at those times when I was battling with darkness and depression, If I could have done something else, I might have run to it. And I'd have missed the will of God. God knows what he's doing. And here's what I'll say, and you might not fully grasp this today, but I hope in the next five minutes you'll get a glimmer of it. With God, there is always hope. There is always hope. And you may not feel it, and I'm not forcing things on you, you may not feel it, you may not believe it, but here's what I'm going to tell you this morning. I believe it for you. And I'm feeling it for you that there is hope for you. Back to Proverbs 12, verse 25. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. A good word makes it glad. With God, there is always hope. So so here's Jeremiah. He's sitting down in the ruins of Jerusalem and of the ruins of Solomon's temple. He's seen his fellow countrymen, maybe family, be killed. He's watched as others of them have been dragged away as prisoners of war. And he is at the end of himself. My soul's cast down within me, he'd said in verse 20. But then I want you to notice verse 21. Yet, he says, yet this I call a mind, and therefore I have hope. I feel hopeless. I'm depressed. I'm walking in darkness. I've got no hope whatsoever. Then he says, but wait a minute. I just thought of something. I just thought of something. And it's given me a spark of hope. So what did he think about verse 22, 23? Here's what he thought about. Because of the Lord's great love, We are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. What did he suddenly think of in the middle of his darkness? What was it that brought him a glimmer of hope? It was, wait a minute. I could have been dead. But because of the Lord's great mercy, a great love, I I wasn't. We're not consumed. Wait a minute. I'm still here. I'm still here. And if I'm still here, it's because God loves me. And in the middle of your darkness this morning, you're still here. And whether you're in the house or watching us at home, I, 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 I want to take that absolutely quite literally. You're still here. Amen. You're in a worship service, in person, online. You're, 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 you're still here. And, and, and if you're still here, it's because God loves you. And God's merciful. And God's still got a plan for you. Because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Wait wait a minute. Maybe God still got some stuff for me. Maybe God still wants to bless me. Maybe God still wants to show his goodness to me. The grace of God is new every morning. With God, there is always hope. It's okay to acknowledge I feel depressed. I feel hopeless. It's okay to acknowledge I need help. Because asking for help is a sign of wisdom and not weakness. It's also wise to find help from a spiritual perspective, there's hope that God wants to give you. The practical line, talk to a counselor. Go to a doctor. Do whatever they recommend to you. Stay plugged into church because we need one another on this journey. I don't know how people face the pressures of life and of darkness, without God with them, and without God's people around them. I really don't know how they do that, and I thank God I've never had to, because there's always been a community of God's people that have been around me. We need each other. We need community. We do grow stronger together, becoming the people God called us to be, and... and, and, sharing his light and his love in this world. So, so here's what Jeremiah did. He started to preach to himself. It's interesting. When I started pastoring, I used to do that. Every Saturday night, I'd get in front of a mirror. I would. I'd get in front of a mirror every Saturday night, and I'd preach my sermon to myself. And and I'd preach it, and I'd, I'd be Taking note, I'd also time it. I gave up on that long ago. <laughs> but but I but but I, I I preach it to myself every Saturday night, and 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 you know it was great. I got saved every Saturday night. <laughs> Who wants to give the heart to Jesus? I do. There's, but, but, but it was, you, you know what, it was from a practical perspective, I wanted to make sure it flowed to some degree. But, but you know what, there's a deeper truth there. It's good to preach the sermon to yourself for any preacher. And sometimes for all of us, there are times when, when we, need, we, we, need, we need to preach my, to ourselves. Verse 24 here, when Jeremiah gets this glimmer of hope that, you know what, I'm still here. God's mercies are new every day, so it means God still wants to bless me. And then he says, so I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. Can I just say this? Sometimes we need to tell ourselves God's word, even if we're not believing it at that moment. I'll say that again. Sometimes we need to tell ourselves God's word, even though we're not believing it at that moment. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 24, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is my portion. You getting this here? The Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. Lamentations chapter three, verse 24. The Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. You may not believe it. You may not see it. You may not think it possible, but that doesn't mean to say it's not true. I just want to encourage you to tell yourself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. He preached to himself and said, I'll wait for the Lord. And what I want to just say to you today is this. There is always hope. You know that bit about it from Ephesians 6 about we fight against spiritual whatever, scary stuff, right? And you know that bit in John 10 about the thief wants to steal, kill, and destroy? Remember that bit? Here's another bit from Romans 8, 38. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. not my depression, not my darkest days. Nothing in all creation will be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Is that going to fix everything for you? I don't know. It's complex, but I'm not going to belittle it. I'm going to believe that God is over all. And I will not surrender to the darkness because if I'm still here, God still has plans for me. And He will bring me through. And God will bring you through. There is often not a quick fix to depression. And I'm not going to suggest that one sermon and one prayer will break its grip over you forever. I can't say that. Often we need help from other areas. But the fact is this. If God can just bring a shaft of light into your darkness today, that's going to be a wonderful beginning. And that's my prayer. Let's stand and pray together.